listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Glad to have Dad. Dad, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. I uh, I don't even know if Dad knows because I didn't talk to him previously about it, but I put it in the title of the of the broadcast, and of course, Dad could teach on anything at any time. But this is what I wanted to deal with today on how to uh, operate in a miracle ministry. And of course, my dad has uh, done that for forty plus years, and I have a lot of a lot. Of, there's a lot of uh, preachers that watch, and now there's a lot of young uh, preachers, evangelists, and pastors that are just starting out, as well as Christians who always have questions um, about miracles, the miracle ministry, the miracle lifestyle, and uh, and seeing God move in a supernatural way. And who better, to, in my opinion, to teach and preach on that than my father, who's been doing it consistently for over 40 years. What is this, the 44th year? 1976 to 2020? It's 44 years, and I've started, I'm in the 45th year. Wow. Because I started back in June of 1976. I held a meeting in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, during what we call the bicentennial year, under a tent, not far from the Schuylkill Expressway there. And that was where God gave us several great miracles. And it took off from there. And here we are in 45 years later. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, miracles and signs and wonders, obviously, it was, number one, it was the element that Jesus used to prove his uh, sonship or his messiahship in the New Testament. For example, uh, when John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus, they asked him, are you the one or are we looking for another? And he said, go back and tell John the things that you've seen and heard. And then pointed to his healing miracles as the proof that he was the son of God or the Messiah. And so Jesus used miracles as the proof that he was the son of God and he was the Messiah. Further on, if you go into the New Testament after Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven, the disciples also used miracles, signs, and wonders as the proof that Jesus is alive and was alive. And uh, Jesus said, and I'll read this and then dad can take it anywhere he wants to take it, but uh, I'll use this kind of as the base because Remember this, miracles are not just for ministers. Miracles are not, in fact, if you're writing anything in the uh, comments today, put that to start. Miracles are not just for ministers. It's for every believer. Miracles are for every believer. And listen to what the Bible says in John 14, 12. Jesus is speaking and he said, uh, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to be with my Father. And of course, he's referencing the fact that he'd send the Holy Spirit, who now 
uh, lives in us and we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so miracles are for every believer, not just for preachers, pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets, teachers. Every believer is called to walk in the miracle anointing. And, um, but many aren't. Many aren't, and especially today, even ministers, many have backed away from the message of the supernatural, and it's more needed now than it ever has been before. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Amen. Before we get started, uh, Mr. Cameraman, check with the director. Uh, I had this studio set up. I was doing openings and closings for our television ministry, but uh, does he need to turn these other lights on for better lighting, or have you opened the iris on the camera to handle it? Everything's good. Way to go. Well, thanks, Ted, for letting me come on. Um, I, my son was right. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I started to say, he said, he can talk about anything. I said, except for the miracle ministry, I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Zach. Paul the Apostle gave us this in Romans. He said, I fully preach the gospel. In other words, Paul said, I declare unto you, in another passage, the whole counsel of God. We have a lot of um, specialists in the body of Christ. You'll hear the words mentor, life coach, uh, different things that we hear none of which are part of the fivefold ministry gifts that Jesus gave. When you hear someone say they're a life coach, that's a choice they've made. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's a choice they've made. A mentor, a mentor really is what the Bible would call a father in the faith. You don't have many fathers. And the working of miracles is linked to certain of the fivefold ministry gifts. And in particular, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 11, son, to set this up, and Jesus gave some apostles. Now let's stop a moment. I just quoted from the Apostle Paul's writings. He said, I have fully preached the gospel. From Alricum unto, what was it, Jerusalem? Through mighty signs and wonders. and wonders. Through mighty signs and wonders. And I said for years, you could substitute the name of your town, mm -hmm. maybe the name of the capital of your state, and declare, I fully preach the gospel. How do you fully preach the gospel? Through mighty signs and wonders. And then Ted just referenced, my son just referenced Mark's gospel, the 16th chapter. These signs shall follow them that believe. So it's not, not just the ministry gifts, but believers can have signs follow them. Now, this is what I feel based on what I've seen and experienced. I believe the ministry gifts 
have a greater measure of faith to operate in the nine gifts of the Spirit. Not that the believer has a lesser anointing. No, I don't mean that. Because all these things are done by the work of the Spirit anyhow. But the Bible teaches us you become skillful through much use and handling of the word. And those that handle the word to minister it, those are the ministry gifts. Right. So the skill set that you hear people talk about, what's your skill set? And uh, that area of fine-tuning, operating with excellence and integrity uh, comes through many, many uh, years of experience. Look at the gift. Let's talk about miracles first. Look at that gift as a baby gift. And then you begin to operate in it and yield to it and covet that gift and desire that gift. And as time goes by, that gift, it goes from being a baby gift to a child gift, childlike. And then it becomes a young teenage gift. Then it becomes a middle-aged gift. Then it becomes an older gift. So there's a skill that comes through much use and handling of the word. Where you start is not where you're going to finish. Now let's bring it over to every man and woman watching. Every one of you dear people. I don't care who you are. I see different folks. Some I know you. Uh, but uh, some I don't. But let me just pick a couple of names here for a minute. Let me just say that um, I think I saw Teresa Armstrong on there. Yeah, there she is. Let's say I'm talking to Teresa. Or earlier I saw uh, Todd. Is he still up there? Yeah. Uh, how do you say that last name? Kuba? 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 <laughs> Let's just say I pull a few of you that are watching. And you say to me, Brother Shuttlesworth, I need a miracle for my mother. I need a miracle. Alvin Hobbs, my good friend from down, what is it, Atlanta area, Alvin, if I remember right. All right, let's just say Alvin and I are talking, and Alvin drove all the way to New York. You were there. Prayed for him to be healed, to receive his miracle. Alvin released his faith, and God gave him a wonderful miracle. Now, Alvin, I don't know what he does for a living. Maybe I didn't forget. I, 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 maybe I did, Alvin, but I forgot. But he needed a miracle. He sat, as I'm up from the platform, he sat to my left every night, he and his wife, and received the word, received the word. So the divine connection is, Jesus is the living word. Amen. And when we handle the word, the written word, the logos, the rhema part of this that makes it alive is Jesus. Our dear evangelist from Zambia, God bless you. So we have Alvin, he wouldn't make, a claim perhaps to being in one of the fivefold ministries, but here's an evangelist from Zambia. He would. All I'm saying is when we're looking at the working of miracles, a miracle ministry, you must have a, in your mind, a different, uh, how, how do I want to say it? Sort of a different, 
a difference would be the best word, a difference in your thinking between someone that has not fully committed to being used of God. I'm reminded, I'll tell you what, I'm reminded of, <laughs> bring back miracles at midnight. All right, Amy. I'm reminded of A.A. Allen. <laughs> he got hungry for God. He was a pastor. He was in Colorado. And he saw he needed something more than just standing in the pulpit Sunday and preaching. How does he prove, he says to himself, this word is from God. And there was a very wealthy lumberman in that part of Colorado. And he thought Allen was lazy. A. Allen was anything but lazy. People that I knew that worked with him said he was up from when the sun came up till the sun went down and after it went down, working hard and doing things with his hands and building and all that he would do. Well, this guy started going after Alan a little bit. Now, Alan was believing to build the church there in Colorado. They needed lumber. They needed a lot of things, but didn't have it. And uh, there was a family in town whose little boy in the middle of the winter, his name was Jimmy, and he came to where they were meeting in the winter, snow on the ground, freezing, no shoes or socks. The family was that poor. Brother Allen said he stood there in the pulpit and he looked down at that little boy's cold and blue feet. And he looked over, excuse me, at his son, whose son's name was Jimmy. He looked at his son, Jimmy, who had brand new white boots that they had bought him. And the Lord said, take the boots off your son's feet. Because the Allen family lived in the back of that little wooden building. Didn't have to go out into the snow. And put... Those little white shoes, Christmas season, that was the only gift they gave their boy was the little white shoes. Take Jimmy's shoes and put them on that little boy's feet. And so Brother Allen came down with tears running down his cheeks. He took those little white shoes and he put them on that little boy's bare feet. They had church, little boy, his mother took him home. That afternoon, there was a knock on the church door. Again, the Allen family lived in the back part of that building. They had a, a sheet or a blanket that they hung down from a cord. And so the pulpit and the chairs were in front of it. They had a little makeshift apartment behind it. Christmas season. Alan opens the door. Who is it? It's that man that's been giving him trouble. The man is crying. He said, are you the one that put shoes on my little boy's feet? Brother Alan said, yes. The Lord told me to. That man 
gave his heart to Christ that afternoon during the Christmas season and gave his life to Jesus. Got in there, and before you know it, the lumber they needed, everything they needed came in. One of the operations of the working of miracles is miracles of provision. They had no wine. The mother of Jesus said, they need wine. Jesus said, hey, don't push me. It's not yet my time. But she says, whatever he says to you, do it. The beginning of a miracle ministry is obeying the instruction that God gives you right up front. Before Alan ever preached to 10,000 people under a tent, before he ever preached to 50,000 on the fields of India, his ministry started with an instruction. Give Jimmy's shoes to that little boy. Brother Allen did it. Then the father comes. He gets saved. The church grows. The lumber comes in. But even greater, Brother Allen was launched to travel to America. He hadn't yet started operating in miracles, Ted. But he looks back to Jimmy's shoes as the beginning of his ministry. And perhaps one of the first miracles was a miracle of provision. He gave away the shoes, the lumber came in because the man that owned all of the lumber business heard the story how this preacher who was trying to build a church in Colorado to preach to people gave away his son's shoes to take care of a man who was known as the town drunk. If this was Andy of Mayberry, it'd be Otis, the town drunk. A miracle begins. Forget about the word ministry for a moment. A miracle begins when you are willing to obey the instruction that God gives you to provide something something that someone else needs, that they can't get it in their own strength or power. And for them to get it, it's going to be a miracle. Whether it's through a vessel, like God spoke to Brother Allen. Allen's the vessel. He obeys. That boy needed shoes. The miracle provision came through the vessel. The vessel was Brother Allen. I think you're following me. So folks, we're living in a time you have all of these people lying, lying about so much. Do I believe that there is a virus? Yes, it's called tuberculosis. 1.8 billion people are infected. There's three vaccines for it, according to the World Health Organization. You hear nothing about it. What we're dealing with now is about control. The devil is trying to rush God's time because the devil knows in the last days God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. I believe that's just now starting. I believe we're in the beginning of an awakening, a third great awakening. Remove the politics out of the equation. Remove 
all the talk about pandemics, epidemics, remove it out of the equation and see a devil that knows God is a miracle working God. And what does the devil do? He's trying to shut down the avenue that God uses to bring miracles to our world. I'm still talking about the believer. I haven't got it over to the ministry gifts. But every believer is a channel of blessing to our world. Now, where does a believer, iron sharpens iron, where does a believer get more skill in operating in miracles if it's not the church, the coming together of God's people, the coming together of God's people? Mm -hmm. If I were the devil, I'm not the devil, but if I were the devil, I'd shut every church down for whatever excuse, knowing that if people go to church, receive the word, faith comes by hearing, miracles are released, I'd make sure that that couldn't happen because the devil knows that the gospel then will be fully, fully, fully preached. That's it. Fully, fully, fully preached through mighty signs and wonders. Mm -hmm. If you come and the word is declared, then the devil knows these signs follow them that believe. Amen. So strategically, when you're talking about the ministry of the working of miracles, there's a devil uh, that has to be dealt with. Brother Allen, after that happened, I don't even know why I was telling this story. Didn't you reprint one of those books? Yeah, we, we have uh, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. Yeah, you need to get that, folks. Because then God took him into a prayer closet. And the book, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power, I have several copies of the original one in my library, saving one for him, John, and who knows, Maybe the cameraman is going to get blessed. But God took him to a prayer closet after all of this. So I'm getting ready to take you around the world. But there's some things you need to do. And God gave Brother Allen a list of 13 things that he needed to do. Check them off. And then God said, I'll give you the working of miracles. Alan fasted. He prayed. He ripped off a cardboard box that was there, had a little pencil in his pocket. He said, I took my teeth and sharpened that stub and wrote down those 13 things. God said, when you check off this last thing, then the working of miracles will be in your ministry. Instruction. Secondly, there's a price to be paid. Mm -hmm. Why don't we see more miracles? Could it be that many people, once they've received the instruction, have not been willing to pay the price? I throw that out to every one of you watching. Could it be people are not willing? Mm -hmm. Now, Son, Alan began to check them off. 
several things. The last two things I think he never told anybody. Yeah, it's personal, he said. It's very personal. But he said, the day came when I checked off the last instruction that God gave me to operate in a miracle ministry. Well, I worked with R.W. Schambach for some time. And Brother Schambach was holding a crusade in Chicago. He had a wonderful ministry of faith. You don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. The Lord let me work by his side, just like he worked by A. E. Allen's side. And Brother Schambach was in Chicago, and miracles were taking place. He said, son, I had to hire a truck to take out a truckload of crutches, canes, and wheelchairs. God was healing Derek Ott. God was healing so many, so many in that meeting. He said, I'd go back to the hotel and I'd fall on the bed soaking wet, my clothes, left my suit on, just tired from ministry. He said, I'll see you tomorrow, Jesus. Fell asleep. The only time that Brother Schambach has ever laid claim that Jesus came to him was in that hotel room. He said, one night he did that. He was tired, wet, been praying. Had about 2,000 people a night in the forum there. When all of a sudden he said a bright light filled the room. He said, it knocked all the sleep out of my eyes. <laughs> and he heard the Lord say to him, son, he said, thank God he called me son. And here's what Jesus said to Brother Shambach in that hotel room. Son, you're spending too much time with the people and not enough time with me. You see, you receive an instruction. There's a price you have to pay, but once you pay it, the working of miracles, the ministry of miracles will take place. But you see, to maintain a miracle ministry, you gotta spend more time with Jesus than you do the people that you're ministering to. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give you those three quick things before we get into a little bit deeper. I hope that helps some of you that are watching. No better instruction than the word of God. That's it. I'm holding in my hand a book filled with instructions. And Ted, there are 30 plus thousand promises. Some say 80. It doesn't make any difference. This whole book is a book of promise. And when you obey the instruction, people are waiting to hear. Oh, Lord, speak to me, an audible voice. Lord, send an angel. He won't do it. But first, you need to take the book of instruction, this book of promise. You need to study to show yourself approved unto God. And so that's why I believe that the Bible says many are called. That's the instruction. But somewhere between being called and fewer chosen, there's a price to pay 
And then, once God has put his, his choice upon your life, and there's nothing like it, then Brother Shambach said, I learned from the Lord. <laughs> he said, I learned from the Lord not to put the people above Jesus. The miracles are for the people. Jesus doesn't need a miracle. Right. He's the miracle worker. It's the people that need miracles. Praise God. Amen. It's the people, you and I, ladies and gentlemen, we need the miracle. And Teddy, I just want you to know, and I see Ted Melton's on. God bless you, Ted. And I see all these people, some I know, some I don't. But folks, we're in a season right now where I believe God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. Part of why we're going through this is because we lost strong leadership in pulpits. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. When I hear some of the preaching today, and I don't mean to be critical, comparing yourself among yourself, you're unwise, but let's be honest. You have to preach the word for miracles to take place. The right. signs, if they're going to follow, you got to preach the word. I believe, son, the reason why we don't see more of the miraculous is because we're not really receiving uh, the word of God. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, it seems that it seems that for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, people are uh, worried about receiving uh, criticism for, for strong preaching or taking a stand for the word, that's a part of it. There's people that don't want the, uh, the feedback, you know, there's, there's all kind. any, the deeper that you go and there's Pastor brother Ron McCoy. Hello, Ron. The, the deeper that you go in preaching and teaching and believing the word of God, the more, um, criticism there is. There's brother Zenner that was in church last yep. night, Christopher. So great guy, great. He is. I love him. So whenever you go deeper, as far as you know, there's a lot of people that'll agree, even in the body of Christ, Jesus is a savior. But then you start talking about the fact Jesus is a healer, and then you start getting pushback even inside the body of Christ. So no, you, no. I don't believe they're really in the body of Christ. <laughs> no. Because the Bible says having a form of godliness, mm -hmm. but denying the power thereof. Right. From, from such, such turn, away. turn away. So whoever is denying healing power right. is false. They're big phonies. They're like the Pharisees of old. Right. They like to be seen of men. They like to give loud sounding and great swelling words of prayer. But Jesus said concerning that crowd, you do err. Why? Because you do not know the scripture. That's it. And you make this word of God so it won't work to none effect. And so when when you say that, and you dear folks, please don't get upset at me, but we got a lot of tares that have come into the church and the devil sowed them. The devil came and sowed tares in the church. And that's where the false brethren have crept in unawares. Anyone that fights the healing message and they say they're a minister, they are a minister of unrighteousness. And so you get pushback. Yeah. You get pushback because uh, there are people that will fight against the revelation of the word. It doesn't matter what it is. Could be healing, pushback. Baptism in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, pushback. The provision of God, prosperity, abundance, pushback. 
You know Anytime what? You start if they don't it. want it, I'll take theirs. Right, exactly. But that's part of the reason preachers don't preach it is because they don't want the pushback. They don't want the criticism. People want to be mainstream. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, well, you know, I like to just stick to preaching Jesus, the main thing, Jesus. But the thing is, you can't preach Jesus without preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can't preach Jesus without preaching divine healing. You can't preach Jesus without preaching provision because all of those things are wrapped up in the salvation covenant. It's all paid for by the blood of Jesus. The real problem, as my dad's referencing, is that there are many ministers that do not want to have the criticism, the pushback, the persecution for the message. There is a persecution. Even Brother Allen, talk about that a little bit. They persecuted Brother Allen for multiple things. In a time of extreme racism, he refused to be racist. He refused to segregate his tent meetings. And even denominational churches uh, persecuted Brother Allen because he would not segregate his tent meetings. Isn't that right? Yeah, they put what they did was, Ted, they put a rope up. Cities did. They would put a rope up and they wanted all of the black folk to sit on one side of the auditorium. And usually the rope didn't run halfway. It ran this way. They put the black folks in the back. They did it in theaters and so forth. Racism is a real problem in America. Uh, and we still deal with racism in the church, especially. But um, Brother Allen, the spirit told him, said, if you want to have miracles, then you need to take that rope down. Mm -hmm. So Allen took the rope down. Brother Shambach did the same thing in York, Pennsylvania. Uh, the governor now of Pennsylvania, his parents used to have a lot of pull in York, Pennsylvania in those days. And Shambach brought his tent to the York Fairgrounds. And a lot of the Klan uh, were involved in that region of Pennsylvania. And Shambach, he went and took the rope down and 60 or so of the Klan showed up with chains, knives, and guns have him shut down and he come right off the platform with the longest mic wire he had this before wireless mic. And he said, I preached every one of them to hell until they got up, dropped their knives and chains and went to the altar and got saved. <laughs> That's the kind of preaching I'm talking about. So the thing is, there's always persecution. Nowadays we have people trying to shame you because you don't follow the narrative of disease and it'll never go away. And, uh, the little Keebler elf fella, I forget his name, but uh, we're going to be masked up till 2025. Yeah, the devil's a liar. Just go back under the tree and make cookies, but leave me alone. <laughs> and this is the thing that ticks me off. What about miracle power? What about healing power? Why isn't the church saying, Sunday night, we're going to have a COVID healing service. Get the oil out and lay hands on everybody. But you know what the church does instead? They feel shamed, persecuted. They're talking about us in the newspaper. You big sissy. Stand up for the gospel. Get a backbone. I, I'm so disgusted with weak-kneed, lily-livered <laughs> leadership that will not stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. And I'm just telling you, 
that what we're dealing with in our world needs the miracle ministry of Jesus now more than ever. So to break it down. And it will be persecuted. Of course, yeah. It will be persecuted. So number one, boldness and strength. To, to Jesus taught this. <clears throat> Remember this. And, and Brother Allen dealt with this in his book. The disciple is never greater than, than the, the master. master. And Jesus told his disciples, uh, they hated me first. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you for my name's sake. You'll be hated all over the world. For my name's sake, Jesus said. That's it. So you're never going to escape the persecution of antichrist men and women. Thank you, Sister Luenda. Love you, Luenda. Thank you for sowing a seed. You're never going to escape the persecution. Any person that thinks that they can run their Christian life or their ministry or their church in such a way that everybody will be happy with the actions they take is out of their mind. You'll never make everybody happy. Never. You'll never please everybody. You only have to focus on pleasing the Lord. If he's pleased, it doesn't matter who's displeased. And Brother Allen wrote it in his book, and Jesus said it, that they're going to hate you all over the world for my name's sake. But there's a blessing for those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So there's no better choice to make than to stand up for what the Bible says and obey what the Bible says and let the chips fall where they may. Secondly, as my dad dealt with, love has to be present if miracles are going to work. You can't, and I love this passage. I'll read it from 1 John 4, verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? That's it. And this commandment we have from him that he, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Brother Allen would not have had the impact and miracles that he did if he would have left those tent meetings segregated. It's a form of hatred for your brother. And yeah, and love you, has to you've be got to deal with you've got to deal with racism. Holy cow, Batman! I tell you, whoever that is, they really filled up the screen. <laughs> uh, but get this: what Teddy's talking about. Uh, you see, there's the fruit of the spirit. There's the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. I believe there's a fruit for each gift. Certainly the working of miracles would be wonderfully mixed together with compassion or love. Mm -hmm. And for example, do you know religious people were mad because Jesus, in modern day tech, uh, terms, we'd say Jesus was rude. But they said it this way. Jesus spoke with authority. You look at that word authority, it means with a strength, a firmness, a sternness. I used to preach a message on authority, and I remember looking that word up. And basically, we're living in a generation, they don't like to hear this is right and this is wrong. Right, yeah, for sure. And so, understanding that, I've been in meetings where I'm dealing with demonic powers, people battling diseases, even suicide, and perhaps an usher will come up or a pastor will send someone up uh, to help out. Well, guess what? God doesn't need your help. And many times, instead of helping, they interfere. So if I feel that, talking about a miracle ministry, I'll say, could you step back? And at that moment, when I'm dealing with a, a spirit of suicide or cancer or whatever, I don't need someone interjecting their little feelings and then act 
heard afterwards say, well, Brother Shuttlesworth was rude to me. Get over your little flesh. <laughs> Get over yourself. It's not about you. That's right. It's not about me. It's about these people that the devil has attacked them in their minds, in their bodies, in their soul. And I'm just telling you something. One of the reasons we're not seeing the working of miracles is that you have to have a backbone yep. to stand up against racism, stand up against the spirit of stupidity. Yep. I have somebody that calls me. Every time they call, they say something stupid. So I went into my phone, and I removed their name, and I put, pray for stupid, where their name is. So when they call, before I even answer, because I know they're going to say something stupid, Lord, touch stupid today. Give them an impartation of wisdom from heaven. You said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Hey, how you doing, buddy? They don't realize I just prayed a powerful prayer for their stupidness. And I'm, I know you laugh at it. But listen, after almost 50 years of doing this, I am tired of stupidity. Yeah. Ignorance. Why? Why? Here's the thing. Dying people. Right. Does that move your heart? Mothers who have daughters, and the mother was told, in this one case I'm thinking about, you're going to die within 30 days. Hey, it's about these children. It's about this family. It's about these mothers, not your little religious hierarchy or your ministry of helps. Right. If you're a ministry of help, here's an idea. Help. <laughs> and what true. we've got is too many people in this area of ministry that don't realize they're hindering more than they're helping. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm old enough. I don't even care anymore. If you don't, if you don't like it, that's your problem, not mine. Right. I still go to bed at night and sleep well and love people. And we see the deaf healed and the blind and the people get set free. Well, and we need, we need the ministry of the working of miracles because it proves Jesus right. is, alive. is alive. Well, I've watched it from you know the outside of you uh, operating in the miracle ministry. And one thing that I think is a problem that, he, that he's referencing, let me break it down even further, is that because we don't have these things happen often in many places, many churches, people are not used to uh, operating in the, in the miracle ministry. They don't even understand what the atmosphere is supposed to be like. And so you'll have people, see, you have to treat the things of God as holy and you have to reverence them. That's why the Bible speaks about the fact you don't despise prophesying, you don't forbid speaking in tongues, you reverence the things of God. <laughs> so when you've got people coming up and, you know, let's say someone like my father's ministering to people that are sick, dying, need a miracle, and you've got people coming up that are, you know, nudging each other and goofing off behind ushers, joking around while they, you can't have those kinds of things happening while you're expecting to have supernatural manifestations of the power of God, you can't goof off, which happens. If you don't think that happens, people, I don't know where people's minds are. They're like, you know, aloof. It's like, draw yourself back in, get you. It's like, it's almost like you can't even have two things happen in church. 
If, if you'll notice this. If you go to church, the pastor's finishing up his message. I'd like the band to come back. We're getting ready to close the service and pray. And the band gets up to come to the platform. Everybody's attention is like they've never seen a band get out of the seat and come back to the platform. Everybody's attention immediately shifts to the people going back to the platform. It's like, what, have you never seen someone get out of a seat and go and stand on the platform before? <laughs> Keep your focus. Keep your focus on what's happening. And you know, distractions right. take place when there are... or. Uh, when the working of miracles begins to operate, yep. even in your Bible, there are distractions. Right. Why did Jesus put all the people out before he got the miracle for the little girl? No distractions. No distractions. And no unbelief. It is a principle in the working of miracles. It's almost a given that you'll have resistance from the devil. Yep. The devil doesn't want people getting healed or receiving miracles because it proves that Jesus is alive mm -hmm. and really that whatever work he was trying to do is a lie. Yeah. And the devil is a liar. Right. And so the working of miracles, the importance of it is that it not only confirms the word of God, mm -hmm. not only it proves that Jesus is alive, but it causes the devil to be defeated. Right. Your weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, mm -hmm. sickness, disease, infirmity, and anything else you can think of. And so the gifts of the Spirit are both tools and weapons, and they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of this, uh, and I see what you're talking about. There's sort of this uh, lighthearted, you know, yeah. this is... Praise God, church, I got my Starbucks in one hand, my Bible in the other, and, mm -hmm. you know, and we've ruined, we've ruined an atmosphere uh, that God would love to operate and perform miracles in due to, I don't know if I would say, how would I say it? Well, there's a not, lack of respect. Yeah. A lack a, of respect for the anointing. And people don't even understand because they're, they're never in it. And they're not taught. They're not taught. They've never been in a miracle meeting. They don't know. They've never seen the gifts operate like that. They don't know. They don't even know how to respond. They've never been taught. And you can't, if you don't, see, here's what people I don't think realize many times, is you cannot have a mighty move of the Holy Spirit and not reverence the things of God or, or, or one of the things that's happened, I think, in the last 20 years, 25 years since I was a little boy in church till now is that there was even a respect for the things of God that was different even 25 years ago than there respect is now. Respect for the anointing. That's right. You see, people don't. I mean, we, we treat the sanctuary differently than the lobby. You know, people, little things like this. You know, we weren't allowed to run around in the sanctuary and goof off at the altar and uh, even after church was over. It's a holy place. It's a holy thing. And a lot of these things, and I, in my opinion, I could be wrong, I blame, I blame the seeker-sensitive movement of the church that wanted to shift the focus from biblical teaching, the moving of the Holy Ghost, prayer, to entertainment in order to fill seats so that the mortgage could be paid because you have a building you can't afford and you can't afford people to leave. And so everything has shifted to entertainment in many churches instead of a valuing of prayer, a spirit of prayer, an atmosphere of prayer, the miracles, uh, signs, wonders, the flow of the Holy Ghost, teaching of the Word of God. Right. Everything's become lighthearted in entertainment. And one thing you'll never see today, I guarantee you go to 98% of churches 
what the Bible teaches that the word of God is actually for, it's not just for encouragement. It's not just for uplifting and edification. It's for correction and reproof, the Bible says. You won't see that in 98% of churches across America. You'll not see a pastor get up and correct and reprove. You know why? doesn't line up with entertainment. It's not entertaining to be reproved. It's not entertaining to be corrected. But the reason there's such a light atmosphere in so many churches is that, as my father said, there's not a strong authority in the pulpit. There's not a strong authority in men of God to actually keep order and keep control. God doesn't operate in chaos. You know, Kenneth Hagin, I was in one of his meetings one time in Tulsa, and the word had gotten around that there was a, a, an issue with one of the ministers, a very well-known minister himself. And he had fasted to the extent that he ruined his liver. His complexion was yellow. And I was sitting with a preacher. His name was Ed Dufresne. And Ed said, watch what is about to happen. Ed picked it up in his spirit. Ed was like that. And so Brother Hagin came up. You know, he just looked around. He put his hands on the pulpit. He said, yep, yep. And you could feel him begin to take authority over the whole service. And he said, everybody, let's pray in the spirit. And he, we'd all pray in tongues. And then he began to deal with fasting. It was a correction. They're watching in East London, South Africa. Hello, everybody. Amen. I just did a, a Christmas thing for Faith Network today for Andre. But um, here's what I wanted to say to you. He was correcting. Now, did he know of this minister who was on the 52nd day of a fast? I was told later. Probably. But he didn't let the fact the man was well known. If I mention his name... You'd all know him. Brother Hagin began to bring that service into order in the spirit. You cannot have the working of miracles until you have the order of the spirit. That's right. There are orders to the gifts of the spirit. It starts with that area of the word of wisdom right down the list. The Holy Spirit didn't put them in that order by accident. There's an order to the spirit. Let everything be done decently and in order. Now, before Brother Hagin could teach and preach that night, before he could do any of the things that he needed to do, and I'm sure he had a, something from God, he knew he had to correct something to release in the atmosphere miracles. And I'll tell you about the miracle that happened that night that I saw. Well, he, he said, I've never had to fast more than three days. To get an answer from God. Mm -hmm. You and I would call that the Levitical fast, you know, being Bible school students. But three days is three days. Hello, Tracy. And so Brother Hagin <clears throat> said this. He said, fasting does not change God. Mm -hmm. He's the same before you fast, while you're fasting, and when you're done fasting. Mm -hmm. And then he went on and then he said... Uh, I ha we have a brother so-and-so here. Now, everybody knew this man. If I called his name, he's still alive today. Not Brother Hagin, but this gentleman. Come on up here. And 
give us a song. And the guy goes up, his face is yellow, liver damage he's dealing with, problems. Well, he bowed his head, this fellow. Turned and said something to Brother Hagen. I, I, I didn't hear what he said, but you know what I think he said? I think he probably said, I received the correction. Then he started singing a song that he made up right there, spiritual song. I've crossed the faith line. I've crossed the faith line. Now, personally, son, I believe if Brother Hagen had not brought that correction, we're in a big convention. This is the winter Bible seminar. Mm -hmm. 2,000 plus people. There's my buddy Len Mink sitting there and his wife. And there's big John Hall who just passed. Yep. And there's Donna Douglas and all of the luminaries, uh, Rodney calls it, all the dear people, you know, who's who. In the charismatic crowd, I changed the last <laughs> yeah, word. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but uh, you see what I mean? We can never become so big that we cannot receive instruction and correction. Mm -hmm. Now, when that was done, Brother Hagin began to teach from the Word of God on these matters of the gifts of the Spirit. And they were called a line for people to pray and come receive a miracle, the working of miracles. Now think about that. Before the working of miracles that night, there was correction. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit doesn't let you get away with things. He brings everything into alignment with the Word of God. This Bible I'm holding in my hands, you've got to line yourself up with it and not it lining up with you. Right. So then, let me go back two days. I flew from Pittsburgh to Tulsa to go to the Winter Bible Seminar. A young man got on the plane in Chicago, and he sat down next to me. And he opened up, and I noticed he was reading a book by Brother Hagin. Well, it didn't take a word of knowledge to figure out. He's probably going down to Tulsa for Winter Bible Seminar. So I tapped him. And he said, yeah. I said, are, are you going to Winter Bible Seminar? He said, talk in my good ear. The side sitting next to me, he was deaf and blind on one side of his body. Something had happened. He lost his sight and his hearing on that left side. And I said, I'm going down. And oh, praise God. Thank you, Brother Ron. He's in agreement with us. Um, we get down there. I don't see the guy. But that night, after Brother Hagen brought a little correction, didn't leave a bad spirit, the man that I believe it was for seemed to get a breakthrough. Brother Hagen, and the first person he prayed for a miracle was that boy. I said to Ed, Brother Dufresne, I said, see that boy? He's deaf in his left ear and blind in his left eye. And Brother Dufresne said, did the Lord show you that? I said, no, I flew with him down here. He told me that. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Ed. But anyhow, <laughs> Brother Hagin prayed a simple prayer. But the working of miracles, ladies and gentlemen, is the working of miracles. The working of miracles is the working of miracles. It's worked by the Spirit. Severally, many times, 
different ways, various ways, as he wills. And I say, Teddy, thank God he's willing. He's willing. Amen. He's willing. And so Brother Hagin was known for what God told him. The instruction again, go teach my people faith. The price to pay. Think about all of those years they drove around with a car with bald tires. And when the car didn't work, he rode buses. And when he couldn't get a bus, he rode trains. But inside of Brother Hagin's spirit was Rhema Bible Institute. Inside his spirit was men and women that would preach the gospel around the world. Mm -hmm. Inside his spirit were books that would sell over 50, 60 million books. But he paid the price. See, everybody wants this. Hey, Lance Palmer. Yes, sir. We love you too, Lance. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And he paid the price. All of a sudden, there's a yell. The young boy, I see. I can hear. Well, Brother Hagin, you know, he's got his hands crossed. Praise the Lord, you know. Yeah. But everybody else is shouting, jumping up and down. I said to Brother Ed Dufresne, I flew down here with him. And do you know, son, when I flew back home, he was on the same flight back, same seat next to me. <laughs> and I rejoiced with him. I said, you've been saved a while? No, he said, just got saved a few months ago. <laughs> Brand new. You see, what happens, I believe that hinders the work of miracles is that people, <laughs> people, that been in this thing for a while, you've already developed the excuses as to why you don't have it. <laughs> but he hasn't been in the church long enough yet to learn unbelief, so he gets it. Right, yeah. There's the key. The working of miracles to operate, you have to have a believing heart. A believing heart. Amen. A believing heart. Yep, that's right. Whether you have a knot on your neck, knees that need healed, whatever you need today, you that are watching, we're reading the comments, aren't we? Yeah. We're, we're releasing our faith, and we'll pray a prayer of deliverance here in a moment. But you cannot have the working of miracles unless you have a respect for the anointing. Mm -hmm. This is not... <clears throat> to be joked about. Right. I was out to eat with some preachers, Teddy, and I sit with Earl B. Coulter and a few others. And one of the preachers, he started making fun of the gifts of the Spirit and telling jokes about it. And when I got out of there, I said to another minister, I didn't like that. Why? I said, whatever you're making fun of, You'll never receive it from God. If you mock God, mm -hmm. even if you think it's a joke, you're not going to get anything. Right. You will not receive, you will not receive from God unless you believe the word of God. Right. You will not, sorry for your problem, April. We'll pray and believe with you. God bless you. And, uh, the reason you don't believe God is like that, really, honey, is because you don't believe the Bible. Open your Bible, start reading the Word, believe what you read, and don't feel like you're pushed away. You may have had a bad experience or somehow something 
you said you grew up very religious. That's your problem. You grew up religious. We, it's not religion that does it. Again, remember I quoted earlier, having a form of godliness, right. denying the power thereof from such turn away. I feel bad for you today. Father, I pray for April that you just melt her heart of unbelief and touch her in a special way. Make her feel special, Lord. Let her feel the anointing of the Spirit of Almighty God. Make Jesus real to that little daughter of yours, Lord. Amen. So let me finish this. So respect for the anointing means you don't joke around. I said to him, I didn't, I didn't like what that guy did at the supper table and I didn't like it. Well, here's what happened. The man ended up cheating on his wife, slept with four women, the same one that mocked the gifts, pulled his church into destruction, went from 600 people down to 70, left his wife, filled himself with unbelief, and then I had a chance to talk to him later. He wants to get it right, repent. He said, I just felt like I could never operate in the gifts. And there's the problem. Mm. Hello, Herb Vance. Yes, sir. When you lose your respect for the word of God, it's just like you've lost your respect for the Lord himself. Right. And I don't know how to say it any kinder than this, Ted, but you receive an instruction, you pay the price, you operate in it, you maintain it through prayer, seeking the face of God. But you also, the story about Brother Hank, you have to be open to correction. Right, yeah. Because... There are vessels of honor, mm -hmm. vessels of dishonor. And God does not put his blessing upon vessels of dishonor. Right. It would be like him approving the thing you're doing that's not right. Right, yep. God won't do it. Has to be order, cannot be chaos. God doesn't operate in chaos. One of the things that's important to remember, you're talking about correction, is true love corrects. There, if you don't, If there's no correction... There is no love because see, I've said this a lot on the broadcast and anybody that watches it, you've heard it many, many times. Correction is just direction. Correction is, is just direction. I always use the, the analogy. Recalculate. If I've got a, if, if I got my little son, let's say he just drags a chair across the kitchen over to the stove and we've got a pan up there with boiling oil, frying chicken, and he jumps up on that chair and he's getting ready to reach in and grab it. I'm not going to sit back and say, well, let him do that. He won't try that again after. No, because love doesn't want to see the destruction. Love wants to correct so that there is a direction that will save somebody from destruction. And that's why you have to understand true love, honest God love actually brings reproof and correction. Those whom God loves, he reproves or corrects. Why? Because correction brings you into direction, keeps you out of destruction. And it's actually pride that won't receive correction. In fact, if you read the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that wise people seek out correction. Wise people love correction. It's a fool that hates correction, the Bible says. 
And so that's why we have the verse of scripture that says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The reason for that is because it is pride, it is a haughty spirit that rejects correction. And because correction is direction, you always end up in destruction. It'd be like, can you imagine? I always use this because people laugh, but can you imagine? Hello, Tina. Can you imagine putting on your phone Google Maps or Apple Maps and you type in your destination where you want to go because you don't know how to get there and you hit start and then as you're driving in the car and your phone starts talking to you, in 1.2 miles, turn right. And then you start yelling, you can't tell me where to go. Who do you think you are? I know where I'm going. I don't need anybody. To... That's exactly what's what people do in the spirit because you don't know where you're supposed to be going. And the Holy Spirit either uses a man or a woman of God to give you instruction or correction or speaks to you directly in your spirit. And obeying those directions brings you the quickest route to where God wants you to be. That's why a fool hates correction. That's why they end in destruction because true love is correction and direction. God wants you to get to your blessing the quickest way he can get you there. And that's by the leading of his spirit. And so I want to uh, encourage those of you. You want to see miracles. That's why my father was talking about that. And I've seen it so many times. If there's disorder and distraction in church services, you can't have a supernatural ministry or service. It doesn't work like that. Even look at Jesus before he even did the miracle of feeding the 5,000. What did he do according to scripture? Had them sit down in groups of 50 and 100. And he, even he had the disciples with an order so that they even kept children away from him. But he said, let the children come. Right. So in other words, they were running interference before the people could get where Jesus was. Right. Read those scriptures again with that thought in mind. Mm -hmm. There's always There's an order. There's order. Order. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the 50, sit down. Groups of 5,100, we're going to, it wasn't just chaos. It wasn't golden corral. Everybody was rushing Jesus and grabbing bread and fish off of it. No, it didn't Hit work the like buffet. <laughs> it, it was order. God is not a God of chaos. Those of you that are watching, I want you to put it in the comments. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. When he created the Ark of the Covenant, did he not give them instructions about how to carry his anointing? how to operate in his anointing. You don't touch it with your human hands. You put the poles through the loops. You carry it on your shoulders. Instruction. It's always an instruction. He didn't just let Noah figure out how to build an ark. He gave him instruction, exactly what wood to use, exactly the dimensions, how to build it. Do it this way. When they built the temple of God, there were instructions. Build it like this. And so God's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. And any any time God wants to do something, He has instructions about how to do it. That's why the Bible says in Romans eight fourteen, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. You can't be a child of God and also at the same time push away the instructions or the leading of the Holy Ghost. No, it nullifies the blessing of God in your life. You have to be open to supernatural. Instruction, And that's why we're seeing so much chaos in the world right now, because the devil knows that is a, uh, prohibits the operation of the working of miracles. Yeah. But let me tell you something. I feel in my spirit this morning when I woke up, God's getting ready to blow the devil's <laughs> strategies and chaos. Amen. Right out of the ballpark. Amen. We're getting ready to see a move of God, which will have miracles with it. Yeah. 
The third great awakening shall be known, declares the Lord, for the working of miracles and signs and wonders. For did I not Amen. declare in my word in Daniel that I am a God of signs and wonders? And these shall be the evidences of the move of my spirit. The devil knows it, and he is literally in a panic mode. Yes. But I don't care about what the enemy is trying to paint and portray into the hearts of people now. I'm not a god of chaos. I'm a god of order. Do not say God allowed this thing that's going on for some greater reason or glory. No, no, no. I have not allowed any of it. But rather, the church must rise up and use her authority in the Holy Ghost and bind the works of the devil and release the operation of miracles this very moment. So, Father, I obey that word. I use my authority. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus all around the world, people in Zambia watching and in the Philippines, wherever you're at, in Jesus' name, I release the power of God on the earth today by coming into an agreement with the word of God. Whatever we bind on the earth is bound in heaven. I bind chaos. As Teddy just said, I bind the spirit of chaos. I bind the spirit of disorder and I speak order. I loose order. I loose the working of miracles. I loose this wonderful third great awakening that's working even now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Glory. Amen. Glory. <clears throat> Glory. Praise God. Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> I heard someone say that they released the Kraken. <laughs> I said, I didn't know we were doing ad for uh, Joe's Crab Shack. Amen. No, we're releasing order. We're releasing power. We're releasing authority. Amen. We're not idolaters. We're not looking for a man to bring us out of this thing. We're looking unto Jesus. Yes. The author. Woo! And finisher of our faith. Amen. Whatever he started in you, he'll finish it. Amen. In Jesus' name. The working of miracles. Glory to God. Praise God. Are you going to come back on with me tomorrow, Dad? Sure. I, I work for a living. <laughs> so we'll be back tomorrow and Wednesday. You don't want to miss it. Tomorrow again, 1030 a.m. Eastern time. That's New York City time. And uh, we'll be on for those of you watching in Africa. You'll know that's what time that is, Central Africa time. And those don't forget to pray for stupid. <laughs> those of you watching in the UK, I saw my friend, Pastor Joel Toller. Love you, buddy. Glad Joel Arnold. I see Joseph Arnold. Tina yep. Moorhead said, I'm listening while I'm driving back home. Amen. Welcome home, sister. Just don't close your eyes during the prayer. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> we love you. I want to give you guys an opportunity to sow a seed today and partner with this ministry. We love you. Uh, those of you that are watching, we have a lot of our partners watching, a lot of those that are standing with us. Uh, I want to encourage you to take a minute. Do what the Lord tells you to do and sow a seed by faith today. You can go to miracleword.com. You can sow a seed right there on the give page. There's multiple ways that you can sow. Uh, Cash App and Thank Venmo. You. Thank you very much, Joel, for sowing a seed. Um, Cash App and Venmo, the username, MWGive. Same on both. PayPal is available as well. It's all right there on MiracleWord.com. Thank you for sowing a seed. We love you, Pastor Ron McCoy. And tomorrow, let's deal with the difference between the working of miracles and the gifts of healing. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get a little deeper into this. It's good. I felt good about it today. Yeah. But 
You have to have a foundation. Yep, don't miss it. Tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. You don't want to miss it. Wednesday, 10.30 a.m. These are uh, sessions that every believer needs, uh, especially now. We need the moving of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, miracle signs and wonders, more than we ever have uh, as we're coming to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So do not miss it. For everybody that's sowing uh, $85 or more, uh, this month, we're sending you my friend, Pastor Joel Stockstill, wrote a great book entitled The Power of Daily Bible Reading. Yes. And uh, we're going to send you a copy of that book. And then, of course, thank you, Andre, for sowing a seed. Everybody that's uh, sowing largely $1,000 or more, we're going to include with that uh, the hardcover limited edition of Further Faster, as well as the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather, uh, New Living Translation, to say thank you. I'm with you, Crystal. We're going to run in 2021 in Jesus' name. Love you, Brian Tomes. Here's our friend. Brian Tomes. Love you, buddy. Name sounds familiar. Yeah, I think he's somewhere in the Northeast. (laughs) (laughs) He was locked down, but now he's free. The Lord is setting free. Hello, Joel Carr. Was he the Kraken? They released him. They released the Kraken. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, guys. Christopher Anthony, love you. Rose, love you. Good to see you on today, Todd, Janine, Kyle. Love you guys. Thank you, uh, Brian, for showing us. See, we love you, man. I'm going to check and see how much it was, Brian. I know. Norman's up in New Brunswick, but yeah. we're still praying for him that he'll be delivered. Uh, Elizabeth. Is Canada Trump. still locked down? Somebody, you know who just texted me yesterday was TJ Malkanji, and he was asking about coming into the States. I was wondering, and I forgot to ask him if the borders were opened up yet. Yeah, I don't so know. So people could come down for Thanksgiving or come in. I think he's preaching a meeting. Coming into New England. It's all foolishness, folks. Crystal, love you. Let not your heart be troubled. That's right. Thank you, Rose. Winona, I don't know. Uh, Mackenzie, are you still watching or not watching? If you are, let me know. I'll answer your question. I did. I, we were in the middle of, middle of teaching, so I didn't. But if you are, uh, let me know if you're still watching. If not, we'll send you a message and answer your question. But thanks for hanging with us today. Lynn Ann. California is a great place to come right now. <laughs> yes. Denise, love you and Glenn very much. Sean, Barker, God bless you. Joel, we appreciate what you're doing in the UK. We love you. Hope to come over and see you soon. Is man. that your buddy, Sean? No, you're thinking of Seth. Seth. Mm-hmm. Crystal, God bless you. Guys, have a great day. We love you. We'll talk to you again in the morning. Be blessed. Don't forget, wait, before you go. Today is the day. For those of you who didn't know, the brand new course in Miracle Word University is launching Divine Prosperity, How to Walk in Supernatural Financial Abundance. It's coming live today. And uh, we're going to send an email. We've got some offers for you for today and maybe tomorrow. uh, Early bird special. You don't want to miss this one. Over eight hours of teaching. It's going to be great. Uh, So you can go check it out. MiracleWordU.com. The letter U. And uh, we love you. We'll see you again in the morning. Have a great one. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.